right. All right. All right. Okay. All right. Yay. Yep. 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 Nicely done, Melissa. <laughs> Welcome to the Xanadu Cinema Pleasure Dome with Wendy Bowlesby and Melissa Kirscher. Listeners to another episode of Xanadu Cinema Pleasure Dome. Yay! And the crowd goes wild. I am Wendy, one of your co-hosts. That is Melissa, the Hi. other co-host. Hello. And we are joined tonight by special guest Sharon Steitler. Yay! Yay. You said my name right. Also, <laughs> how do people say it? Oh, Stitler. Well, I know no. your husband, and no. I know his name is Bill Steitler. Yeah. Sharon is also known as Bird Chick, or even the Bird Chick. Oh, yeah. Mm, with a mm, definite article. Yes. Wor- world famous Bird Chick. World famous. Yeah, I, that, that's officially. I just went yeah. over to the UK to a bird festival and a lot of people knew who I was, which I did not expect. That's amazing. Yeah. Um, by the way, your picture of yourself in your little ranger outfit on Facebook, terribly cute. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> That's got to be somebody's fetish right there. Uh, there have been uh, a number of individuals in downtown St. Paul when I uh, am walking around in ranger uniform who have made it clear that should I be seeking any sort of sexual congress, they're willing to participate. Um, well, I can't blame them. And <laughs> listeners, if you're hearing the yapping dog that is outside, we apologize. I hate that dog. <laughs> You know what's sad? You know what? If the we person it... who owns that dog hates that dog. Aww. Oh, that's too bad. We well, should give it booze. I don't think you're. I don't think that's good for dogs. Uh, probably not. <laughs> but <laughs> it's a waste of nice booze. That you, yeah. We. I'm I wouldn't sure give it. We th- could find I, shitty booze. Oh. I would not give it this lovely Lagavulin 16. It's really lovely. It oh, is. That's what we're drinking tonight. It's, don't you wish you were here? It is peaty and smooth and lovely. It's. Or as I said, oof. it tastes like somebody set the Piltdown Man on fire. <laughs> It's very, yeah, it's very I true. I like it. It's, it's dense. It is, and it's not as in your face as Talisker. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, it's a comforting, it's more of a campfire and not an unclean fireplace. That, that definitely makes one sound better than the other. <laughs> <laughs> so, what are we going to talk about tonight, Melissa? We are going to talk about Douglas Sirk. Yay! Who is Douglas Cirque. I will let Sharon take point on this one because she was the one who initially brought up the idea to me. Douglas Cirque is a director of some really fantastic movies. He worked a lot with Rock Hudson and his, his real name was Detlef. And he mm-hmm. was actually uh, a stage director from over in Germany. And uh, with he married, his second wife was Jewish. And so when the Nazi party was coming into power, uh, he and his wife uh, had to come to North America to escape. And the interesting thing was he speaks he spoke several languages. Not one of them was English. <laughs> he came over to North America. He thought his directing arts days were finished and bought a farm. And uh, some people happened to be working on some films and said, like, hey, hey, Detlef, we really need you to do some work for us. So he started getting back into directing and then the, the studios got hold of him and he became Douglas Sirk and did such and, and really became known for his melodrama. And when I first saw his movies before I ever saw him, and so looking at this movies, you expect this really big, flamboyant, flamey guy, and he's not. He's this very serious German. <laughs> so serious. Yes. Wait, I have a question. If he didn't speak English, 
How did he direct? Did he have a translator on set? Well, I, when he came to North America, he didn't know English. And so oh, he learned okay. it as he was here. And so he was here a few years before he actually started directing. And uh, yeah, he worked steadily. And then he stepped away in 1959. He did a few other projects. But w- one of his most well-known films is Imitation of Life, which is a remake. And it's just got Lana Turner in all... <sighs> Her Lana Turner glory. And <laughs> but I mean, he, he works really hard with the race angle. And he and I think if you've ever seen read the book or seen the original Imitation of Life, he really focuses on the race struggle, especially with the daughter in that. And he has a very specific vision. <laughs> <laughs> yes. And he's going to force you to live in that and 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 hammer those morality codes over your head. But it's still, it's, you can't help but watch. Yeah, it, it's the, I boned up really quickly on Douglas Sirk over the last week when, when we figured out we were doing this episode. So I watched all three films I could easily get my hands what on. What were they? What were they? The first one I watched was Imitation of Life because it's currently on Netflix streaming. So it's like, oh yeah, push a button. There it is. But I, I found it very interesting to watch these big, broad melodramas because they're certainly not subtle and yet there's this undercurrent of cynicism and social commentary that is really pretty delicate and um which gets really fascinating when you get into stuff like written on the wind oh did you watch that one (laughs) i did i did but but we should stay on uh imitation of of life uh but i just have to know what was the third one what was the third one the the third one i could not get my hands on magnificent obsession okay though i tried The third one was All That Heaven Allows. Oh, yes, Heaven Allows. Yes, yes, yes. Oh, which I awesome. Love. I okay. actually just watched that last night oh, in preparation sweet. for this. Um, I, own, I own the Hyperion. <laughs> I am throwing in my mea culpa. I have not seen any of these films. I did mm-hmm. not have a chance. I did some quick research mm-hmm. today to bone up, and a couple of interesting things. The first thing that leapt out at me is he was born Danish and then moved to Germany, and I'm like, Wow, that just makes you extra stoic. Yeah. <laughs> like, seriously. Yeah. Hello. Um, and then there was a quote somewhere in there that I was, as I was reading, that somebody was talking about because at the time he made his movies, the critics just panned them as being maudlin and obvious and simplistic and boring, largely because they focused on domestic and female issues. Mm-hmm. And so that meant, that meant they were boring. But then in like the 60s and 70s, they came back, people started watching them and deconstructing them and starting to appreciate the craft of them and realizing, again, that deep undercurrent of social commentary that's actually happening. And the quote I I found, I'm paraphrasing, is this whole thing of, to understand a Douglas Sirk film takes a lot more work than an Ingmar Bergman film because Ingmar Bergman lays out all of his symbolism, very clear-cut and very obviously, and you watch a Douglas Sirk, and you actually have to pay attention. Yeah, and I you, thought that was you have to dig under the very sparkly exterior. For the listeners who are not familiar with Douglas Sirk, because I feel like it, it's kind of hard to get hold of some of his movies, and unless you're a total film nerd, you might not have gone into Douglas Sirk. His, his stuff oh. shows up... Imitation of Life has been on Netflix for years. Yes, um, and it, it's easy enough to find some of it with Anna. his his good his well known stuff is easy to find. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm surprised that Magnificent Obsession is harder to find because that used to be on TCM. I felt all the time. Yeah, I I can I can see that, and I think even Criterion might have done a release of it. It's just I couldn't find a video universe, which shocks me, and it wasn't on any of the streaming channels. And mm. it's like given a week. And um, the fact that I tapped out my Netflix DVD queue already, uh, <laughs> I, I couldn't get my hands on it. I'm before. impressed that you got written on the wind before you could get Magnificent Obsession. Yeah, it was at. Uh, usually that universe. one's the harder one. Okay, that one's the harder one to find. Yeah, written on the written on the wind was so much fun. I know. <laughs> okay, so so let's you know we can probably hear the cops. Jesus, it's the cops. Jesus, you gotta go. <laughs> Okay, so to to bring uh, listeners and Wendy up to speed, um, I think we should actually describe, say, Imitation of Life and that, then talk and about it. That is that is probably considered his best movie, and it, it yeah. is, and it's it everything is coming together because 
Lana Turner is so over the freaking top. Yes. <laughs> As only Lana Turner can be. Oh, yeah. I mean, what my favorite part in this uh, is there's there's a character who is dying in it. And, and, you know, as, as they're all kind of like figuring this out and, and, and starting to come to the realization, it, 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 Lana Turner isn't, what can I do for you? What's going to happen to me? <laughs> oh, yeah. So do, so, do, you, do you guys describe the plots of these movies? Or I, I, think, guys... I think in this case we should, because, okay. I mean, it's not like we're talking Star Wars. I don't think everybody who's listening yeah. has seen this stuff. So so Imitation of Life uh, it starts out with the premise you have this white woman with her daughter, mm-hmm. and, and she's a widow, so there's no man around, and then there's this black woman with her daughter, um, and her husband is long gone, but her she's a black woman, but her, her daughter's almost white, and you're kind of left to speculate what the genealogy mm. of the father is. And the, the black woman's down on her luck, and so is the white woman, but the white woman has at least has an apartment, so she offers to let the black woman and her daughter stay. The white woman has white privilege. Yes. I mean, that's established early on with her being able to get credit, even though she hasn't been paying anywhere. And, yep. you know, the black woman with the child is like, yeah, I don't know where we're going to stay tonight. Yep. Maybe the bus station. Yep. So, so the white woman puts up the black woman in her apartment, and the black woman kind of you know, starts, you know, helping out around the house to kind of, you know... Earn her keep. Earn her keep, and she kind of winds up being the the black servant of this white woman. And, but, you know, Lana Turner, you know, meanwhile, is, uh, gets a break in her career. She, she... She's trying to be an actress. She, she gets hired as an actress, and her star starts going up, and this black woman is, you know, kind of along for the ride in her life. And, you know, the two daughters grow up together and everybody's kind of got their own plot line going on. Mm -hmm. Because, you know, you've got this woman who's very ambitious and there's a uh, young, handsome gentleman caller who keeps kind of sniffing around and... You know, he declares his love for her, but she has to give up her acting. So and she, she has doesn't want to. She's do go, that. She goes, "Fuck that!" And no, 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 no. <laughs> the, the, this line has become a running gag in my marriage <laughs> because he 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 gets a job, but so like they're arguing in the stairs because he's he's declared his love. He just got a job because he took a picture of uh, the two kids. They were on the beach and they they set a beer can on the sleeping fat guy's belly and and it became a beer ad. And so he has all this money and he's like, "I have money. I can get you out of this." place you can be my wife we can raise kids blah 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 and she's like no this is this i'm trying to get my theater career off the ground and and he's like but what i'm offering you is real and she just like turns around and snaps on him and she's like is a beer can real going up and down up and down not me i'm gonna go up and up and up (laughs) i can picture you saying that to bill <laughs> and that has just been like a running gag in our marriage. Like, you know, I'll ask, he was like, Are we doing this tonight? And he's like, I don't know. Is beer can real? And, and, and for, <laughs> going up and down, up and down. I'm going up and up and up. Oh, and it's. It is. It's glorious. And then, and then there's this further angle with the kids, because the the white kid grow, grows up, um, kind of in the shadow of all this fame. To be Sandra D, no less. Yeah, it, it, she turns into Sandra D, literally, <laughs> and it really, it it is Sandra D. Sandra D plays her, or Sandra D plays yeah. her. But it's not Sandra D playing herself as Sandra D. Well, it kind of is. Kind of is. Well, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, you, 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 yeah. Yeah. And then the the child of the black woman has a really interesting plot because she's embarrassed of her mother because she can pass for white and doesn't want anybody to know she's actually black, you know, in the 1950s. Well, she gets treated better when she acts white. Well, yeah. So uh, you can't really yeah, blame duh. her. So, yeah. 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 And so there's this really deep exploration of that. And there's also this exploration of these two mothers that share like 20 years together in the same household. And one of them is very, you know, the white woman is very distant from her child because of her career and her child kind of resents that. And then one of them is desperately trying to cling to her daughter and be part of her part daughter's life and her daughter wants nothing to do with it. Yeah. So, you know, damned if you do, damned if you don't. <laughs> well, what's interesting about the daughter and the mom with Annie and I can't believe I can't remember Annie's daughter because I don't want to keep saying black mom and black kid. Yeah. But um Yeah. Oh, I can't remember. Uh, Su- Susie? 
Or was uh, that the white kid? Susie? Susan is, is uh, Sandra D. Um, but anyway, so, yeah. but the mom is in the situation where, you know, she, she gets this position with Lana Turner and she's like, this isn't so bad. You know, this woman is doing really well. She treats me really well. Um, th- this is what I want. And, and the daughter is like, just having white people be nice to me and living in their home. Uh, Sarah Jane. Sarah Jane. That's it. You know, so that's, the, wait, so the daughters are Susie and Sarah Jane. Yes. Yeah. And the mother's name is Laura. Yes, Laura and Annie. Laura and Annie. So, you know, Annie mm-hmm. thinks, you know, things are okay. You know, I have this nice position. I, and she just kind of assumes that subservient role because with this particular white woman, life isn't that bad. So mm-hmm. why complain? Whereas her daughter who gets, who can pass for white and experiences what it's like to be a white person is like, no, this isn't good enough. I don't want this. And like, and there's a lot of little subtle conversations that happen. Like when um, Lana Turner uh, asks Sarah Jane um, if she's hit, has anybody special in her life she's like oh are you you dating this hack boy and she's like why did you ask me that because he's black <laughs> and, and she's like no no i just meant you know you're nice you're like, but i mean there are those mm-hmm. kinds of conversations going on it's like yeah well maybe you shouldn't assume just because two people are black that those are the two people that are going to end up together and, and things like that oh yeah there there's some really interesting racial commentary happening yeah what are you talking it about so i know a lesbian you know a lesbian clearly they belong together <laughs> Uh, I know a black person, you know a black person, I think they should get together. Yeah, well, you know, I deviated because, you know, I'm short, so I went for a tall guy. (laughs) I can pass for tall. Tall. (laughs) (laughs) But, but it's, but I mean, in all of this, like, like, Douglas Sirk, you know, they, they, they talk about him, you know, being this kind of master of melodrama. His idea of melodrama isn't the big sweeping emotional rot thing. His idea of except melodrama, for written on the wind. Well, I mean, no, but I mean, <laughs> but no. He, yeah. he, the way he interprets it is that he was talking about the way he uses music mm-hmm. with uh, with with the shows, and and that's he's like in that sense. That's I see. I'm a German expressionist, and that's always how I saw myself, and and it was the music that's what made me melodramatic. And I was like, that's interesting that you went there, and the music does that because in this, you know, every time you hear jazz. Somebody's doing something naughty. <laughs> ah. Sarah Jane starts dancing to jazz in her room. Next thing you know, she kicks her teddy bear and she is tarted up in a club. Yep. Singing oh. a really awful song. Oh, yes, it is Sarah really bad. Sarah Jane. And badly dubbed. Oh my Ooh. gosh. Loneliest word I heard is empty. Empty can make me so sad. You hear me, Dad? I mean, it's just... <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> She's supposed to be, you know, wearing the skimpy outfit, but it's this gigantic corseted thing with so many feathers. It's the most modest outfit she has in the movie, quite frankly. <laughs> when I was doing my research, there was a quote about melodramas that called them dramas of swollen emotions. Yeah, that's about right. <laughs> it just sounds... They're engorged. <laughs> you can't have it any other way with Lana Turner, though. <laughs> It's so it's swollen. Your emotions, they're so swollen. They're turgid. <laughs> tumescent. Your tumescent emotions. <laughs> My emotions are so tumescent right now. It's PMS. So, um, I think we should go to uh, All That Heaven Allows. Oh, oh, yes, it has one of the best lines in it ever. Mother, <laughs> this is no time for martinis. <laughs> There is a studio audience, dear listeners, of my husband who is asking, can he please have some whiskey, too? (laughs) All right. So back to All That Heaven Allows. We have Rock Hudson. Yes. And... Jane Wyman. Jane Wyman. (sighs) And it's... It's lovely. It's... It's... Okay, so here's the crazy thing. Jane Wyman is this widow who ends up hooking up with her younger gardener. Yes. And but here's the crazy thing, in Magnificent Obsession, it's Jane Wyman and Rock Hudson again, and this time she's the she is a young widow, uh, widowed be kind of because of Rock Hudson, but they they they're more of the same age in that movie than okay. they are. So I just found it fascinating in this movie, you know, 
I think there was an eight-year difference between them. She was eight yeah. years older. But it was like, in this movie, she's the older woman. How dare she consider a younger man? And in that movie, there's like, yeah, you guys are kind of the same age. Yeah. It's fine. <laughs> yeah, it's fine. She, she was like, when when um, All That Heaven Allows was made, I think she was 38 and Rock Hudson was 30. Mm-hmm. Ring-a-ding-ding. But, um, hey. yeah, it, she's, she's played as this older woman with uh, kids in college and... Uh, her Ooh. husband passed away and her husband was this upstanding member of the community and she's very well off. She has this very nice home mm-hmm. and friends at the club and there are Agnes Moorhead no less. Oh! Yes, yes. Oh! Agnes Moorhead. <laughs> yeah. But anyway, so all I, and she has a very wonderful line delivery at the beginning of the movie where her daughter is, you know, her daughter is a social worker, has studied psychology, and is just very, you know, sex is incongruous at a certain age. And uh, she was, and, and Jane Wyman suddenly puts on this very beautiful red gown to go out for the evening. Mm-hmm. And, and uh, her daughter's like, whoa, mom, it's about time you got out of the widow clothes. You look great. And, and she's like, and mom, I don't subscribe to the notion that, you know, widows should be packed away with their dead husbands and, you know, where they used to be buried alive in the Pharaoh's tombs. And her, mo- <laughs> and her mom just very subtly says, oh, they don't do that? Hmm. You know, like, oh. nice social commentary but it was yeah. just a very subtle line delivery it's in it, the the movie centers completely around her it's all about her figuring out widowhood and mm-hmm. you know she's kind of not so hot on the guys at the club yeah harvey she, offers to marry her and it's like i can't give you passion but i can give you companionship that's what you want right yeah she's like, uh. and then but she has this young gardener who is, happens to be Rock Hudson. So, of course, yeah. So, of course, you know, there's kind of a little bit of chemistry there. And, you know, they start, you know. There's chemistry with Rock Hudson and anybody. He was a very, very, very pretty man. Yeah. And uh, not interested in women. But, you know, he played well on the screen with them. So. Yeah, he did. He did yeah. very well. He totally Hello. did. And, and a lot of that it. training came from Douglas Sirk. Oh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, Douglas, like, broke him to the saddle. <laughs> oh, that did not, or maybe in it a did. fatherly way. Mm. Oh, <laughs> that doesn't even make that remotely better. <laughs> no, no, no. It's like Douglas. Melissa Cirque... has just spit her whiskey. <laughs> no, Douglas Sirk <laughs> lost his first son because his son, with his first wife, uh, started doing films for the Nazi Party, and then mm-hmm. he he died. I think when he was eighteen or nineteen, fighting with the Nazis. And so Rock Hudson was born the same year as his son. And and so I think Rock kind of became this the surrogate son that he could relate to in some ways. And Rock Hudson was just like, I know I'm pretty and I'm supposed to be acting and I'm doing a terrible job. Please help me. And and and, and Rock Hudson credited Douglas Sirk with like helping him figure stuff out. Yeah. And oh. Jane Wyman even said in, in this movie, it's like, we had to do like 30 to 40 takes with some scenes because Rock just did not know what he was doing at all. Yeah. Was this one of his first films? I think so. Huh. Well, at yeah. any rate. But the results mm-hmm. are excellent because yeah. the the love story is very charming. I mean, they, they do have chemistry, even though Jane Wyman's very torn about yeah. what's going on. And, and she's being ostracized by her friends at the club because yeah. she is dating this this much younger man who has no social stature and has no inclination to be part of the social structure you know he's also kind of your stereotypical bad boy i don't want to be part of that yeah well he's kind of the stereotypical man living in the woods kind of guy yeah yeah he's he's got his own greenhouse he has like a small apartment (laughs) with a big greenhouse yeah and he grows his own plants and his property has like the old mill on there and he starts fixing up the old mill as a love shack for him and a buck who is perpetually in antler yeah that he's feeding even in the wintertime oh yeah yeah he has a pet deer yeah Okay. No, that's fine. It's fine. It's fine. It's fine. It's, it's fine. Fi- it's fine. How would you know it was a deer if it didn't have antlers? I know, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. See, see, that makes perfect. That deer has one hell of a rack. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> you would know. <laughs> oh! Ching. Um. So the way you're describing this, it it reminds me of Far from Heaven, it, which is which what is it was based on. Far from Heaven is based far, on this. Yes. I wondered as you were describing what was going on. I'm like, 
Boy, this really is very similar. And Far From Heaven is very melodramatic. It's amazing. Uh, Dear listeners, if you have not seen Far From Heaven, it stars Julian Moore in pretty much the same role as Jane Wyman. The additional angle is her husband is still alive, right? And And gay. gay. Well, Dennis Quaid. Dennis Quaid, gay in the 50s. And... The angle is that her gardener is not much younger. No, the problem with the gardener, besides the fact that he has no inclination to be in the society at all, is that, of course, he is black, played by Dennis Haysburg. That's right. But see, the thing with with that movie was that they were trying to channel a lot of circness. Oh, yeah. Because because the whole thing about her husband being gay, that's written on the wind. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And so, and then the 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 black gardener. That's a tribute to imitation of life. Because like when I first saw, uh, what's that movie called again? Far from heaven. Far, Far from, from heaven. heaven. I was watching this. And I'm like, well, this seems like a Douglas Sirk ripoff. And Bill leaned over. He's like, that's where we're watching the movie. That's why the movie was made. They're making it as a tribute to Douglas Sirk. And I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> oh my god you fucking ripped off oh it's a tri- okay that's okay what yeah. yeah the um the cinematography in far from heaven is amazing it's beautiful but the, i mean and, Douglas... it, and it's and it, it the cinematography itself is a tribute to and, cirque and i think that is i mean if if cirque had access to the equipment that we have today yeah that's the kind of colors he would i mean you can see he's trying to work that in very hard with um all that heaven allows but he had to do it with cinemascope and he talked about how it didn't do what i wanted but you know whatever but i mean just if you look at Agnes Moorhead and her outfits or the whole mm-hmm. big autumn scene and the outfits that Rock Hudson have, it's, there's a lot of color in that. And well, I, it just couldn't be presented because the, the equipment isn't the same as it is today. Well, it, he's coming from a background in theater where in theater you have such control over mm-hmm. color design because everything is made. And it's right there in front of you, so it's true. So you don't have to worry about film processing and how that's going to play or how you're going to, how it's going to light for film. You have to worry about how it's going to light for the stage. So I have to, I would be curious to, I mean, I wish to Christ, if I, again, if you had like a time machine and you could go back in time and watch a stage production by Douglas Sirk Mm. in Germany Mm -hmm. before he moved to America and see, you know, when he was just starting out and developing that that sensibility what what did he do <laughs> but when you think about the color you can also really see the expressionist style in there because a lot of expressionism is very colorful and yeah. they use that color to kind of hammer in the point and and so when i saw the interview it was like oh i saw myself as an expressionist and i was influenced by that i was like oh yeah that totally makes sense and also expressionism is full of a lot of angst there's a lot of female angst oh, in Douglas so Sirk movies. Much. So why did he focus so much on female stories? It's a little unusual. I think that was... Because when he talked about some of these, like when he talked about Magnificent Obsession, he did not like the book. And the studio was like, you kind of have to make this movie for us. And he found elements in there that he liked. And usually those elements had to deal with women making difficult decisions or being, or fighting against a stereotype or the race angle. Those things appealed to him. And I think that's why he tended to, when he was doing those, that's why he tended to focus on those. I wonder what the tie in there is coming from Nazi Germany with a Jewish wife. I mean, he gave up his life for his wife. Mm-hmm. Well, and also his politics. I something I read his also child said, too. His first wife wouldn't let him talk to his kid anymore when he married the Jewish actress. Ah, uh, ah, uh, yeah, ah, uh, horrible woman. Don't like her. Don't know her. <laughs> don't like her. Because something I read said that also his politics. Obviously, if he married a Jew, <laughs> his politics would indicate that he probably didn't like the Nazis anymore. You yeah, know, that he, he was a little anti-establishment. I think. Yeah. No matter where he was. <laughs> But yeah. but there, but also with All That Heaven Allows, the relationship is very real. I don't think Rock Hudson is the perfect man in that. Because when the town starts coming down on her and then her kids are getting attacked, uh, yeah. you know, she, she goes to Rock and she says, Hey, can we just postpone the wedding for a little bit? You know, just let, let, let's have people get used to us and things like that. He's like, no, 
you either love me or you don't, and we're going to get married. And I thought, okay, she's making a request on behalf of her kids. Granted, yeah. her kids are in college, but it's like, let's maybe not rush into things. And 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 he, and he just totally says, no, it's either me or nothing. And both of them eventually come to the realization that they're idiots for, for you know, not compromising on this. And then also her kids kind of totally dick her over. Oh, but, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah and, and really, she was right. You know, wait a week and they're yeah, fine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh my god, did you love her doctor in this movie? I love the doctor. The doctor He's having so that great. kind of relationship. Can you imagine having yeah. that kind of relationship with your doctor? Yeah. Yeah, he was pretty fabulous. She's having all these headaches after they've broken up and things like that. And he just basically is like, because you love him. You miss you miss your scrub nugget. You gotta go back to that. He doesn't <laughs> yeah. call him that, but. Scrub <laughs> nugget? <laughs> what, what's a scrub nugget, Sharon? <laughs> It's someone who makes you very happy when you scrump against them. So he, he is her tenderoni, if you will. Her tenderoni. <laughs> so there is the assumption they're probably, you know. They're definitely doing it. There's a oh, scene where yeah. there's swelling music, lights go out, and then, like, they're laying on the couch, and the first few buttons of his lumberjack shirt are undone. What? Yeah, yeah. It was pretty racy. There yeah. was swelling music and unbuttoned buttons. Yeah, yeah. and then what? Then she's and like, then there's broken pottery. There's later. broken. Oh, Wedgwood. Yeah, Wedgwood. <laughs> what? Oh, and there's also. Oh, you no. didn't tell me this was so racy. <laughs> but no, he, they're looking out the window. She's like, "Oh, it's getting late." And he's like, "I'll take you home." And then the. the Things get dim and, and they're clearly kissing. And then it's just implied in the next scene that it's the weekend and everyone's like, where did you go? Oh, I decided to go away for the weekend. It's like, oh, you totally banged our cuts in all weekend long in his little winter barn. Lovely. Uh, Good for you. Yeah. 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 Go yeah. Jane Wyman. I don't want to work. I just want to bang, bang on Hudson all day. How did you get into these movies? My parents loved all these movies. And so mm. th these were the movies I grew up with. Huh. And so, yeah, I remember. And my we had, my dad had every single cable channel and would record them. So I could watch them at, at any time. So a lot of these I had seen as a kid and didn't really understand. And then after, you know, you have some education and, and, and you're like rewatching this, like, oh, oh, wow. That movie's way dirtier than I thought it was. <laughs> Holy oh, cow, they filming. did... Oh, they're doing things. Oh. Oh, yeah. They didn't just play Scrabble all weekend. <laughs> Scrump. Scrump. Double word score. <laughs> score. And P is like three points, isn't it? <laughs> oh. It's like three or five. It's, oh, a, it's one of the best. That's a good, good one. one. So we should cover Magnificent Obsession. I almost said Magnificent Seven, which is a very different movie. But uh, Magnificent Obsession, since it's similar it is and but you haven't seen that one i have not seen okay. that one so this one this one is next level bananas so, <laughs> excellent okay so i Jane, need to see this this one it's 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 a little hokier because um there's this whole philosophy that goes behind it and it's touched on a little bit in uh, all that heaven allows you know when she's having the conversation with rock hudson's neighbors like why is he like that and it's like oh he just decided that some things are important and some things aren't money's not important people are so this is taken to an insane level and magnificent obsession. So Rock Hudson is this crazy ass playboy, gets showgirls pregnant, you know, drives fast boats, crashes cars, drunk all the time, spends his money, like like and then Jane Wyman is married to this very well-known pillar of the community, superhero, uh, how you imagine your doctor should be, super nice, you know, all this stuff. Mm -hmm. Um he has a heart attack. At the same time on the same lake Rock Hudson crashes this really expensive boat. And so the ambulance has this new, I think it's supposed to be a defibrillator, and they only have one, and they can only treat one person. So it goes <laughs> to Rock Hudson instead of her husband. Uh, and so her uh, husband dies of a heart attack. Oh. Yeah. And Rock Hudson feels really bad about this, and, everyone, and, and everyone's saying, who knows if it would have worked on your husband, but because we use it on Rock Hudson, that's definitely the reason why your husband died. So Jane Wyman has that, and Rock Hudson comes to her and is like, I'm really sorry, can I write you a check? Because I know your husband had no money because he did so much stuff for free. And she's like, you can't buy your way out of this like you can with a showgirl. So... <laughs> Wait, who's seen this? Who's, no, who, who's playing? That. She says, she lists it's a whole... Jane bit. Wyman It's again? Jane Wyman, okay. yeah, mm -hmm. yeah. She just reads him the right... Oh, she could do cutting really well. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. So, um, so 
that happens. And then meanwhile, there's this painter who very clearly is Douglas Sirk in this movie. And he has this philosophy, was good friends with the doctors, trying to comfort her about and explain what her husband's philosophy is. And he's like, that's why you're poor now. Your husband, you know, did all these really nice things and you have no money, but you'll get by. And then Rock Hudson is just like, just crushed that she won't take his money. And so he runs into the painter and the painter is like, you need to have this new life obsession. It's, you know, you need to do good things. No one can know that you're doing them. It has to be all quiet. And like, once you put doing good works ahead of everything else, it's going to be this obsession, but it's a magnificent obsession. So Rob Hudson starts doing all this nice stuff, but he starts kind of doing it because he's falling in love with Jane Wyman. And so he's doing all this anonymous stuff, paying for dinners, finding out people who need money and, and fixing that, getting them jobs and all this. And so he's like, I'm going to tell Jane Wyman and then she's going to fall in love with me too and marry me. So he starts, and so she kind of starts warming up to him and he's like, yeah, I'm doing this, that and the other and blah, blah, blah. And she's like, okay, that's great. That's great. And he's like, no, don't you love me now? I'm a better person now. And she's like, okay, you need to back off. And so he starts chasing her and she gets into a taxi and he gets into the taxi with her. And she's like, boy, you need to back off. And she she opens the door to step out into traffic. Bam! She's hit by a car. Whoa! Dude! And gets blinded. Ah! <laughs> Good God, this is better than days of our it lives. It gets worse. Sweet! <laughs> I want to know that the music was just... Oh, and I think... Oh, oh yeah, yeah. I mean, and, and all these movies... Music is huge. Mm. I, and there's classical music. There's list that, that plays in these musics. Or plays in these, these music. Okay, so... Yeah. Rock Hudson is just, like, dedicated now to becoming a doctor. He's done with being a playboy. He's going to become a doctor. So he can cure her blindness? Yeah, and also he was kind of on his way to doing that anyway with being a do-gooder. Um, so he's just trying to turn himself into her husband. Yeah, pretty much. That's so creepy. she's blind, has a scrappy little kid who helps her out, walks her to Lake Shores and things like that. And so he kind of bribes the scrappy little kid to like, hey, can we talk and I'll just be Ronnie, your good friend. So <laughs> she doesn't recognize Rock Hudson's voice when he starts talking to her. And she develops this nice flirty relationship with this med student. Blah, 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 blah. Eventually it's figured out and she's like kind of in love with him now and it's all okay and they decide they're going to get together. But then she realizes she's blind. She's going to be a burden to him and he's this much better person now. So she decides to travel the world. Uh, oh, it, wait, on what money? Uh, who knows? Uh, I forget what that part is. It's been a while since I've seen Magnificent Obsession. Meanwhile, she's visiting all these different doctors to try and get her blindness cured. And she's finally told, you have this kind of blindness that can never be cured. That, that, that's just it. So she keeps traveling. She keeps hiding. Rock Hudson goes on. Rock Hudson ends up becoming the world's renowned brain surgeon. If there's <laughs> something wrong with your brain, this is the only man that can fix it. And he goes Whoa. all over the world. Suddenly he gets a telegram from her daughter who has figured out that he was, you know, the med student that was friending her. Um, and she's like, my mom has something wrong with her brain and we don't know and they say she's going to die. So he flies out, realizes he's the only one who can cure her. Oh my uh, god, this is amazing. Operates. This is like soap dish. This is yeah. like soap dish. But the soap. Not the, yeah. So he operates on her brain and at the very end of the movie, she wakes up and she can see him. Uh. I, I, I'm having a tough time. I think Written on the Wind might be a more subtle movie than Magnificent Obsession. See, I brought up Magnificent <laughs> Obsession because I thought it could not possibly be crazier than Written on the Wind, and I wanted to end on that one, but oh man. Um, written on the Wind is pretty... Written on the Wind one, is crazy one, town. Which one was the one that Cirque didn't want to make, but they're like, yeah, we got this book, you got Magn it. Magnificent Obsession. And the book that it's based on is written by the same guy who wrote The Robe. Oh yeah! So, <laughs> oh yeah! Okay. And I think there's even a quote out there from Douglas Sirk was like, "Thank goodness Jane Wyman got this book because I didn't know what to do with it." <laughs> wow. Yeah, it's. Uh, but Holy yeah, shit. written on the wind. I mean, the homosexuality is really subtle in it. Oh, very. Okay, so okay, she's married to a man who's gay. Uh, no, there's more to there's it. There's way than more that. to there there's is a lot more. This, Okay, okay, so Written on the Wind is like watching Dynasty, okay? Yes. Oh, yes. yes. There's even oil wells and <laughs> yeah. shit. Pumping up and down. Oh, yeah, yeah, like yeah. a beer can. Up like a beer down. can. Up and down. <laughs> <laughs> this again has Rock Hudson in it. <laughs> oh yeah. And and uh Lauren Bacall. Yes. And oh. and Robert Stack. 
Yes. Woo! Yes. And Robert Stack is over the top. Yes. Nyang, 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 oh, nyang, nyang. oh, no. Give me I, I, your he's scenery like, and I will chew it. <laughs> he's not just hitting for the bleachers. He's like out in the fucking parking lot. Yeah. You know, no one can keep up with him. <laughs> he, is, he is gone. He is like, Forrest Gump, run, Forrest, run. Okay, Melissa, add this to our weekend of watching movies. You will pick a Douglas Sirk for me to watch. I will show you Written on the Wind because okay, you And we will, will enjoy this. So I will hold off on watching it until our weekend oh of movies. Okay. I kind of yeah. want to be here for that. Uh, that'd, Bill, that'd be fun. Bill can't take Written on the Wind anymore. <laughs> written on the Wind. <laughs> written, on the wind. Okay. written on the Wind. Since, Melissa, you've seen this more recently than I have, so you can talk about oh, the insanity. Okay. There's so much. Okay, so there is this old oil baron guy who passes away and, oh goodness, not, I'm, I'm a failure at remembering plots, but um, his son... Some, yeah. yeah, his son is this alcoholic playboy and he's played by Robert Stack. <laughs> and Robert Stack's sister is a nymphomaniac. Yes. <laughs> and then there's... How, wait, how do you know that in a movie made at that time period? It's in the advertisement. And like, oh, if, yeah. you wa- if you Google the trailer for this movie, it opens up with her in a car with Rock Hudson and, it's, and it says like, what women say to men. And she's like, I'll have you married or not. Ooh. Oh yeah. <laughs> okay. And then and then Rock Hudson is there because Rock Hudson is the same age as Robert Stack's character yeah. and they grew up together, but Rock Hudson is the poor kid who is kind of the installed friend of the rich kid. Yeah. And then um the movie starts when Rock Hudson and Robert Stack are out and about doing oil things. And they run into Lauren Bacall in an ad agency, and so uh, she's she says she she wants to you know work in in an ad agency. So Robert Stack buys an ad agency for her, and then he takes her for a ride on a private plane, and then eventually proposes to her. And so they okay. get they get they get married, and it, and it's this this marriage that's kind of rife with troubles. With the alcoholism. With the alcoholism and his impotence. Or low sperm count, depending. Or low, low sperm count. Okay, but, it's, but it's not... He, somebody wants children and we're yeah, not they, sure. Yeah, he wants children, but he is told by a doctor that he can't have any. And, you know, they're having problems having children. And it, it seems to me that he has a lot more problems with it than she does. And but then she gets pregnant, so he assumes that Rock Hudson has been philandering with his wife, and drama, 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 drama. Okay, so, so like everybody the Robert Stack is thinly, not so thinly veiled homosexuality. Yeah, there, it's assumed that he's actually in love with Rock Hudson, which you can kind of see in the movie, but you kind of have to be. But Douglas Sirk has said in interviews he was gay. Oh yeah, yeah. It, it's it's veiled in the movie, but because but... of the Hayes Code, they just couldn't make it any more obvious. Yeah. Uh, yep. Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. But but so... it's 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 trashy, trashy fun. Okay. I mean, how much of the plot do we want to go into? Because like, once he finds out that she's pregnant, Robert Stack beats beats her. Oh, and she miscarries. Oh. And so then also the new Do you ever find out, did she? No, it's not no. Rock Hudson's, it's his. Yeah, That's why I think it's, it's low his. sperm count. Yeah. I'm sure there's some impotence mixed in if he's Well and if he's yeah. gay and it's a little bit of like, yeah, gotta But he's an alcoholic, gotta... so you know, he can pretend Lauren Bacall is Rock Hudson. <laughs> <laughs> well, she's got a strong jaw. <laughs> And a very deep voice. With the right light. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Glasses yeah. off and you're drunk. Honey, let's do it from behind and don't shave tonight. <laughs> but but Class. I, I cannot remember the name of the actress who plays the nymphomaniac Malone. sister. Malone. Uh, she... Is it Jennifer Malone? No. Um, Malone. It's, it's Malone or Mahoney. I think Jennifer Mahoney. Mahoney? But she, um, but I mean, meanwhile, she's stirring up her own drama because she wants to bang the shit out of Rock Hudson. Oh, yeah. And she's... he keeps turning her down. But me, so she just bangs everybody else. And there's like a whole confrontation. Okay, with so dad. is Rock Hudson in love with Lauren Bacall? Yes. 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 But totally. He's, but he's not doing anything about it. He's nope. just loving her from afar. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Dorothy Malone. Dorothy Malone. Okay. And so, uh, and she was in another Douglas Sirk movie. She was in the Faulkner adaptation with Robert Stack. Tarnished Whoa. Angels. Oh, Tarnished Angels. I have a whole, I, I I have a whole list that. of his films I was going to ask you if you had seen. 
But um, but there's there's we haven't even given you everything with written on the wind, and there are some classy lines in there because there's also this whole thing like when she's confronting Robert Stack and and he's like, why are you, why are you, why do you hate her or something? And she's like, because she's had him and I haven't. And it, and she's talking about Lauren Bacall and Rock Hudson. So I yeah. mean, she's just stirring up drama all over the place. <laughs> oh yeah, it, it's it's dr- like I said, it's it's like and dynasty. we haven't even gotten to the shooting yet. Yeah. What? Yeah. There, there are guns. Now, this is apparently based on... Is this like Copacabana? It is, but this apparently was based on like an actual story with one of the cigarette families. Yeah. RJ? Yeah. Uh, I, what's their last name? Carlton? No. It's uh. one of the cigarette companies, but it was a similar situation where the wife revealed at a family gathering she was pregnant. The She was also assumed she was having an affair with someone. And so the son of the cigarette owners uh went a little nuts and got drunk and confronted her and was like you know you're banging my best friend he gets shot but because of like the scandal surrounding it the family did everything they could uh to like squash the police report and just ended up oh yeah he just committed suicide at this family gathering Mm -hmm. and that's what this this movie is based on apparently yeah and I, I will just give you this. One of the parting shots of the movie is the nymphomaniac daughter in the office of her departed father with a model of an oil well kind of stroking it lovingly. <laughs> I am not fucking kidding. <laughs> oh my god. <gasps> it's the curfew siren. It's the air raid. Oh, yes. It's nuts. Um, it's five to nine. Time for you to go home. Everybody go home and be safe. That's... Isn't it adorable? That's hilarious. (laughs) Yep, it just... Five to nine. I hope you know what you're doing. Make good choices. And here we are. So now that we've covered the ones that I've seen, and I know are the big ones to cover, what other ones should we seek out? If we were to you know, watch more honestly, those are the four best ones. You might tarnished angels is is pretty up there, uh, because you're dealing. And some of these I haven't seen for a long time. And some some of the ones I've seen, like there's a Lucille Ball one called Lurd, um, which is kind of like a whole Jack the Ripper thing. Her friend gets killed, and so the police want to make a sting, so they hire her best friend to take out a personal ad to catch the killer. Oh my! Yeah, but I mean they. All of these other films, they have the Douglas Sirk element, but these four are really the best four. Okay. Uh, well, about... The Magnificent Obsession would be the one that you haven't seen. I would say definitely see oh, that. Oh, yeah. 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 What about A Time to Love and A Time to Die? That is one I actually have not seen. Okay. There's a lot of Douglas Sirk to be out there. I've, yeah. I've also heard that Son of Cochise is hell of a thing. Yeah, and that's one where he really took a shot with Rock Hudson. And that may have been Rock Hudson's second film with Douglas Sirk, and... Where he was really starting to come into his own as an actor. But, I cool. mean, you also have him playing a Native American, so... Yeah. It's, not <laughs> oh as a, it's not as atrocious as, you know, John Wayne as Genghis Khan, or uh, <laughs> who can forget um, Mickey Rooney in Breakfast at oh. Tiffany's. Yeah, we've talked about that. That's painful. Mm. Oh. I'm sorry. Oh. I just feel the need to apologize. We should wrap this one up. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Because yeah, we still have to talk about a whole other thing. Douglas All right. Cirque. Cirque. Douglas Cirque. 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 Not Cirque, but Cirque. Cirque. I want his last name to be Circus. I don't... I think it's... <laughs> not Circus like Andy Circus. Circus like Three Ring. Take a drink. Okay. Yeah. March of the Gladiators. Also known as Thunder and Blazes. His original name was Detlef, and his last name was spelled S I E R C K, but Hollywood said no. Douglas, not Detlef, and Cirque, S I R K. Let's keep it simple. Cirque, motherfucker. So, we have talked about Douglas Cirque and his ways. And so it is time now to ask Ms. Sharon Steitler our questions. Yay! Yay! Ask the questions. Ask the questions. So, Sharon, who are you? I'm Sharon Steitler. Woohoo! Is that a trick question? No. Okay. It can be as existential as you want it to be. Okay. So question number two is, what do you do? I get paid to go bird watching. Sweet. Now, how did you end up with such a sweet gig? It was completely by accident. Um, uh, I originally trained to be an, an actor, and I worked as an actor for the first year I lived in the Twin Cities full time. 
And then, you know, actors sometimes need other work. So when that dried sometimes. up. Sometimes. <laughs> yeah. You know, sometimes the contracts end. So I temped for a while. I temped at Pfizer right before um, Viagra came out. So I got to do a lot of fun stuff with uh, penile implants. And then um, <laughs> I decided, I, found, I saw a job at a wild bird store. And I got a job there. And then it, things just kind of went off from there. And then. Did it, you always like birds or did it kind they of They were a you? hobby. I never expected them to be my job. And so now I do a combination. I write about birds for different magazines and I write books about birds. Um, and I work part-time for the National Park Service as an interpretive ranger about birds and sometimes fish. And uh, That's the very cute ranger outfit. Yeah, the very cute yet uncomfortable uh, federal uniform. And it, it seems like it'd be scratchy. It is. It's a poly wool blend. Ooh. Yeah. Ooh. Wool? Yeah. What the fuck? I know, right? That's the summer uniform. Ooh. Who thought that was Every, a good it, idea? Sometimes I, I recently have oh. been able to order a new type of work shirt that's cotton. It looks as nice as the poly wool. There's there's a whole gamut of ranger gear that I can buy, and I, I bought quite a bit of ranger gear, outdoor gear, and I just take the arrowhead off so that way I can use it as outdoor because it's good outdoor gear. Except their okay. convertible pants suck. Okay. Well, okay. convertible pants never work. Convertible pants work. It depends on the brand. Oh, I liked my convertible pants. Okay. When I went to England one time, I determined that we were going to be out and about a lot, and so I wanted good. Hi- I wanted hiking boots, not necessarily good, but I wanted hiking mm-hmm. boots, and I wanted convertible pants. I wasn't willing to spend eighty dollars on hiking boots, so I bought boys' hiking boots. It is good to be short. Uh, mm. So I bought boys' hiking boots for only $20, and they fit. And then I wanted the detachable yeah. zip-off legs. And again, those were like 50 bucks. I was like, what? So I went and bought boys' ones of those, too, for only like $25. And that's my story. How, how did that work with your hips? Um, I had to buy them for the Husky, okay. and then I took them in at the waist. Uh, All right. Uh, okay, okay, so Columbia makes short-person Colum- uh, convertible pants. Whoa. Yeah, I bought... Good quality, actually, from REI for okay. our honeymoon. Oh, okay. So, I've used the REI. They're okay. Columbia makes my favorite as far as, like, wicking and as far as, like, you know, working in a multitude of temperatures. Uh, and also, you and I have a similar hip situation going on. Uh, Columbia works the best with that. I feel I have, very hip deficient in this crowd. I have <laughs> the problem of the inner eye, the inner thigh, inner eye, the inner thigh chafing. Yeah, I do um, too. Yeah, and then too. it gets bald in there. So I'm always looking for fabrics that are going to... Um, first off, make sure that I don't shave there, but also make sure that we don't just, you know, wear a hole in our pants. I, I also live with that issue. Uh, I mean, uh, you know, leggings are a, a constant purchase for me because of that, you know? Um, but again, I will say I have had, uh, the Columbia convertible pants have lasted the longest. Huh. And the material is the most comfortable for that. It's why the thigh thing is why I don't tend to wear skirts unless I have at least bike shorts to put on under them because I hate that sort of sweaty rubbing. Have you seen the Athleta uh, hiking skirt? Ooh. Ooh. Well then, I see, I should have just asked a ranger. <laughs> ask a ranger. Seriously. I, mm. I, well, since I travel so much for work, I mean, I've become a master at figuring out all sorts of what packs easily, what, you know, the chafing issue, uh, what I can wash quickly and easily in a hotel room. Yeah. Seriously, you live... S- <laughs> Such an oddly adventurous life. I'm a professional bird watcher. You wouldn't think it would be adventurous, and yet somehow it is. I get to do the craziest stuff. Like you do. last year, I got to go to the most primitive hotel in Sweden. <laughs> Wait, is this is how it was built? That's, that's their bill on their um, and basically it looks like someone from IKEA went out in the Swedish wilderness and designed all the huts that we stayed in sweet and uh yeah we had to sleep on these little platforms with sheepskin and uh, and it was wonderful it was it was for a product release trip for a pair of binoculars and they the place had a floating sauna oh, 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 oh. I you oh, seriously oh, have the most interesting <laughs> life they hired a traditional swedish herdswoman to sing to us <laughs> And they're just like, here, let's have some wine. And we're having some wine and some Swedish cheese. And then all of a sudden we hear this beautiful voice singing and echoing off the lake. And she comes near. And then eventually we figure out that she's herding sheep and she's herding us. But that it was like this traditional song that maids used to sing to herd sheep and cattle to get them to come. But it was the most beautiful sound I'd, I'd ever heard in my life. And wow. That was a good time. How did you end up with Bill? <laughs> 
He was the first straight man to show up in the theater department in two years. I know, oh. right? He didn't stand a chance. He was getting laid whether he wanted to or not. And also, he's cute. He, oh he my is God. cute. And when I first knew him, he looked like Matthew Broderick. I bet. Yeah, actually, yeah. And that drove him nuts when people told him that. But I mean, I was actually with him in the gym once. And this woman, oh, it was at the Y over in Uptown. And we're working out. And this woman came up and uh, she she started working out next to him. And then she's like, has anyone ever told you you look like Matthew Broderick? I mean, she was hot. I mean, she was built. She was there for action. And Bill was like, yep, get that all the time. You're not him, are you? Nope. And then she got up and left. And I was like, Bill, you could have gotten, yeah, I would have been okay with that. You could have, <laughs> she was hot. You like, could have at least asked my permission and I might have said yes. I went and he's like, I, I want to look like me. I don't want to look like someone else. I was like, okay. But no, he was the first straight person to show up in the theater department. I was kind of like, I had planned out my sexual semester. <laughs> I was a little loose in college. No, no, you were doing it right. I wanted to get all the adventure out of my system. You know, I just, I wanted, I wanted, I wanted to try everything out there. I even had a competition with myself to see what was the oldest person I could sleep with was. Oh my. <laughs> How old did you end up with? Well, I mean, now it's, it wouldn't be that old, but you know, considering the age I was at the time, you know, someone who could qualify for a senior discount at Denny's was, you know. Hey, that's, wow. <laughs> it was, it was seeing the polydent in the bathroom that was like, maybe I need to, maybe I, this competition has gone as far as it needs to go. And you were trying to knock down these pins. Why? I just wanted to see what was the oldest person I could sleep with and what it was like. Because I figured, like, you know, guys my age at the time were really fast, which was great. But I mean, they could go a lot. But, like, older guys seem to, like, have more technique. Yeah. So I, mm -hmm. I kind of got it in my head that it was like, I bet the older they are, the more they know. And the more that they're going to, like, be able to do stuff. And I'm going to learn something new. And there, that, there's a certain wisdom to there that. There was. Oh. But I, I did learn that there is a difference between sleeping with someone in their 20s and sleeping with someone in their 50s, perhaps 60s. And um, <laughs> so I feel like I'm really prepared for that, you know? <laughs> <laughs> okay, so Bill, you're set. <laughs> Holy shit. Changes are going to happen. I can handle it. I know what we can do. <laughs> but, um... <laughs> I, I, I adore I, I, you. I think you're about the best. You're the bee's knees. Oh, thank you. And I feel this is a good segue to the next question. Uh, okay, so... <laughs> if Kublai Khan did decree that Sharon got to build a pleasure dome just for Sharon... Oh, shit. What would be in that pleasure dome? It doesn't have to be a movie or anything like that. Anything. Yeah. The Neutrogena exfoliating device. Oh. Does it feel like super amazing? Everywhere. <laughs> e everywhere? It is the best vibrator ever. <laughs> <laughs> and it does really amazing things for your skin. As a matter of fact. No. <laughs> no, 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 no. I didn't realize that needed to be exfoliated. You know, no, this, no, Neutrogena was genius when they came out with this, and they discontinued oh my God, it for you're a while. A comedy gold mine. They discontinued it for a while, and I think women were so upset for the multitasking because, okay, first of all, it's supposed to be it. it, it it's the device itself that, that vibrates with two settings. Why do you need an exfoliator with two settings, number one? <laughs> number one. They, they clearly knew what they were doing when they marketed this. But there's, okay, so you put this little, I feel like more companies need to recognize the blank slash vibrator genre as a product. Well, where this is different from your average vibrator that you're going to get at someplace like Smitten Kitten, those vibrate, this is more of an oscillating. Oh, there's a difference. Yeah, yeah. No, there is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, yeah. so it oscillates. Number one. Okay, so number two, it has all these things. Like you put a separate plastic piece on the device, and then on that you put the exfoliating pad. So they very clearly was like, so if you're looking at this and you're, you know, exfoliating your face, and you suddenly realize, I bet this is going to work elsewhere. Not only can you remove the exfoliating pad, you can move the part that holds it, and you get this very nice, smooth nub. Yes. That works in other places. <laughs> Is it waterproof? No. Uh, I mean, it's water resistant, but I wouldn't mm. submerge it. 
Well, yeah. yeah. Because, so, I mean, you're going to have to get it wet when you exfoliate. Yeah, so it's it's made to get dampened. It's made to get dampened, <laughs> yes. But, I mean, so I had one of these for, oh, God. I had one of these for years. So is this on your wish list for Christmas? No, because I just found one again. And I had, and like my other one was like starting to die. And I was, because the other thing is like when you travel, you can pack it. And it's like, oh, that's an exfoliator. Yeah. Wow. A quote exfoliator. So, so, and then, it, well, for a while, Neutrogena was really into making the the exfoliating egg, which is basically a, a, a girl's My First Vibrator. And, and <laughs> it's really, come on, oh, look at the way it's marketed. They're marketing oh, it to teenage girls. Wow. And, it vi- and it vibrates, and yeah, it kind of exfoliates, but really, let's, let's be honest, we were all teenage girls. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I guess. Mm. I just, I I had not considered alternative, since I've been to the Smith, I am a Smitten Kitten customer, I just, I don't know, I guess I've been too compartmentalized in my life. I have talked to other women about this particular, because like for a while, you couldn't get a, one of their exfoliating pads that they made, and we were just all really upset because it was a really good exfoliating pad. And then you couldn't find it, and I was talking to other women, like, can you find the device anymore? Because I think mine's not. No, I can't find it, and I'm really mad. So I was at a Walgreens, uh, the one that's over by Whole Foods, and I walked in, and I was like, oh, it's there! I almost bought two. Just in case they decided to not make it anymore. And they do that. They do that. They decide to not make things. And I'm like, but I loved that. Oh, God. It's like Disney taking movies off the market for a while. It's like Pringles not making the sour cream and um, cheddar Pringles anymore. Those were so good. Anyway, that's what I would take with me. You would... You would take an exfoliator your, your, into your pleasure it, dome. Just... Your pleasure dome is an exfoliator. <laughs> I like to have good skin. What can I say? <laughs> oh, wow. you, you, you like to be smooth. What? No. Anyway. I assume um, I can have other things in the dome besides well, you. Yeah. Can have. yeah. Okay. Can. So, yes, so, yes, so, yes. but I, I, I feel like... like this is actually more an answer to number four is a recommendation that can be shared <laughs> with others. <laughs> <laughs> No, 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 no. no, no, no. no we no. can we can have that be your recommendation. That, but but so, continue describing your pleasure. Okay, my pleasure outside dome. of the exfoliator. Okay, well, people are always surprised that I don't want to. I don't have a house out in the middle of nowhere because I I do nature stuff. Well, yeah, because you do so much bird watching. Why wouldn't you want to live out where? And you a could lot of bird them? watchers do that. I, I I I'm outside with no amenities. I want amenities in my home. So my pleasure dome is going to have a hot tub. Ooh, yeah. Yes. Yeah. yeah. And, yeah. and, and you're going to be able to, like, you know, if sometimes you want it really hot, sometimes you want it kind of lukewarm. So it's going to have that. Um, it's it's going to have a sauna. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's it's going to have a personal masseuse. Yes. Oh, hot damn. I have oh, always yeah. dreamed that if I were rich enough, I would have somebody whose job was simply to rub my feet until I fell asleep each night. Yeah. Mine would just be holding my feet. No, I, I like a, a petting sort of okay. stroking. Okay, that's I your like pleasure, dumb. Yeah, mine. Um, mine would have a, a Daniel Craig and Peter Dinklage serving as Cabana Boys. I know, right there, <laughs> both of them quite hot. Uh, Peter Dinklage wow. would be in charge of uh, Jameson service. Yes. Okay. And there would be unlimited Jameson. Uh, Daniel mm. Craig would be in charge of the coffee service, and it would be European coffee. Of course, it would. Which is. Uh, which is actually instant coffee. And there would be fried green tomatoes and bacon and donuts. Yes. Wow. You could have your annex. I want a dome with some grilling in it, but anyway. We, we can have grilling. I, I love grilled eggplant. Like, but I like, um, are you a vegetarian? No. No. Because you just said bacon. Um, I'm about I, a 75% vegetarian. I really love the fan or the rain. Oh, is it the rain? That's rain. Okay. Very good. We need okay. that because <gasps> bone okay. marrow. We have to have bone marrow in the, the pleasure dome. Oh, bone marrow. Bone marrow is one of the best things ever to eat. Do you like butter? Yes. Do you like beef? Yeah. Imagine butter consistency with like, you know how like when you have a steak and like it's been grilled and the fat is kind of like crispy on the outside. Mm-hmm. That and then you spread that on toast. Bone marrow oh, is God. one of the tastiest things you will ever eat in your life. It's even better than sweetbreads. Wow. 
The grossest parts of the animals are the best tasting. Uh, yeah, I'm kind of discovering that. Bleah. Oh, God. <gasps> I would eat bone marrow. And I would alternate it. It's like, tonight, we're going to have it on Peter Dinklage's t- chest. Yeah. Tomorrow night, we're going to have it on Daniel Craig's ass. I would lick things, I would lick things off of Peter Dinklage's shoulders. <gasps> oh, and, and, and Sam Neill would be there just to keep oh, me yeah. company. Yeah. 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 And David Bowie would read books to me. Yeah. Oh, I want to visit your pleasure dome. Okay, we should wrap this up since oh, food has arrived. Food has arrived. Yeah. And I'm, should... I'm, I'm in my pleasure dome right now. Yeah, with your exfoliator. Yeah. I that's my new go-to like <laughs> like euphemism. I'm sorry, I'm exfoliating. Who's going to exfoliate me tonight? David Bowie, Peter Dinklage, Sam Neill, Daniel Craig. <laughs> Daniel Craig. Daniel Craig, can I exfoliate your ass right now? <laughs> I respect you as an actor. Gene Kelly's ass. <gasps> would cause much exfoliation. Thank you. Oh my god, I'm so I'm going to exfoliate the shit out of your ass. <laughs> So, listeners, this has been another episode of the Xanadu Cinema Pleasure Dome. It is a dome full of pleasure about cinema and other things, and you were there. I've been Wendy. That has been... Melissa. And we have been joined by the always awesome Sharon Steitler. Aww. Yay! Yay! Thank you for joining us in the Xanadu Cinema Pleasure Dome. Our theme song was written by Tim Wick and Jeffrey Brown and recorded and mastered by Chad Dutton. New episodes arrive every Thursday. You can find us on iTunes and on Stitcher. You can also visit us at xanaducinema.com, follow us on Twitter at Xanadu Cinema, and like us on Facebook at Xanadu Cinema Pleasure Dome. said no to yes and yet yeah, you, still pizza. you think you're gonna say no to pizza and then you then the pizza shows up and you eat it i oh, know yeah. eat the pizza